everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. It's been a while since we've recorded and we apologize for that, but what can you do? Real life. Gab, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Woodchuck Hard Cider Hop Forward Cider. It's additional leftover from our Canadian adventures. Oh wow, it's been uh, almost a month since Vancouver and you've still got leftover alcohol? Dude, I have so much fucking alcohol left over from Canada. I don't quite want to say how much we brought back with us, but I have zero shortage for alcohol. I actually took a ton of beer to a barbecue I went to a couple weeks ago, and it was all Canadian, like, beer and cider. And I still have a full, like, shelf in my fridge (laughs) that I'm working on. What are you enjoying? I am drinking no alcohol because I drank too much alcohol this weekend. What were you doing this weekend? Uh, Comic-Con, Boston Breakers game, and then yesterday, I don't remember. I just remember I had alcohol. (laughs) I was going to say, you can drink at Boston Breakers games? They have a beer garden now. Oh, they do? Yeah. Well, I need to come out to Boston then. Yeah. And we That's had been a, what's holding me back. We had a slam and tailgate with the Armada. We have some really nice members who brought some very strong margaritas. And... Pre-mixed? Yeah. Wow, way to go. Yeah. Way to go. Moving on up. Yeah. Speaking of Boston, there's been some movement in NWSL. Not a lot. Not from Boston. But what do you think of this past week or so of games? <laughs> the past week, I I like the past week um, and what's happened in the past week. Now, the week before that was a bit shitty. Well, um, and I guess we have to talk about both since it's been two weeks since we've recorded, huh? So I, I like that the women's national team players, that the players who were in Canada are more, more or less back. Some are out with injury, uh, suspicious injury, if you ask me, but some, some are not playing. I appreciate that, that most of the players are back. Uh, I feel like the level of play has increased quite a bit, not just because Americans are back, but all most of the internationals uh, are contributing this as well. I feel like the games are uh, more fun to watch at this point. And I'm I'm really enjoying kind of the the it almost feels like it's the end of the season uh, with the amount of push that that players and teams are, are putting in. But I think we have what six or seven more more games. Yeah, everybody has about five or six more games left in the season. Yeah, so it's it's not quite the end of end of the season. There's still plenty of points on on the table, but it's it's exciting. It's getting exciting. I I enjoy what Seattle and Chicago are doing at the top. I wish there were a couple other teams up there jockeying for that first place first place spot. Um, the draw between uh, Chicago and FC KC uh, did I think everyone some favors um, except for Seattle. Seattle's just doing what Seattle does. And yeah, I think both of our teams are, are kind of hurting a little bit, though, right? Uh, let's talk about which team you think has benefited most from their internationals returning. Uh, my vote is for Sky Blue. Um, I think my vote would be for sh- Chicago. Well, the thing is, yeah, Kristen Press is like blowing shit up, but Chicago were fine without her. Kind true, of. true. So I true. think the team Sky that... Blue, Sky Blue can actually make a run for the playoffs at this point. Yeah, mm, yeah. 
But yeah, they could. If they won every single game and some other teams took some key losses, yeah, they could. And I think the difference between pre-World Cup Sky Blue, or like during World Cup Sky Blue and now is, because now they've got Ford, Sam Kerr, Kelly O'Hara. That's a huge difference to them, Uh, as we saw against Boston. Yeah. So, yeah, the Dash kind of would either muddle along or put together a decent performance without without Carly Lloyd, and the Red Stars were pretty cool without press and you know, uh, Abby Erseg and stuff. So, oh, and Julie Johnston, but Sky Blue. Oh, man. Uh, Sky Blue got a definite bump. I, I do I do think Houston. I, I think I would actually say Houston's a little bit more uh, just because they got that Carly Lloyd factor. Yeah. It is kind of hard to discount the Carly Lloyd factor when she's still on her ridiculous hot streak. I mean, it wasn't quite enough to help out against the Spirit, but the Spirit had Crystal Dunn. And she she did that to Houston. She has been victimizing NWSL teams left and right all season long. Crystal Dunn is a force to be reckoned with that, like, nobody has figured out. And what what I find hilarious is had she gone to the World Cup, she would have been a defender. She would have been sitting on the bench as a defender. And instead, she's wreaking havoc in the NWSL, scoring goals yeah. left and right. She might think differently because, you know, even though you're on the bench, you're at a World Cup, but maybe being left off that roster was the best thing that ever happened to her. I mean, what was the um, what was the tagline for the World Cup? Um, all of the teams had a score to settle? Yeah. I think Crystal Dunn definitely has a score to settle. She's settling it. Right? She's doing it every week. She's showing up for work every week and just killing it. I mean, it's like when you were in school and there's a group project and you just own it because it's your subject. So the spirit are giving a group presentation. Crystal Dunn did all the work and then came back and was like, she's that control freak who's like, just let me do this and we'll all get A's. But not in the Abby sort of way where it's like, feed me the ball because I know you're scared to have it yourself. But like, in a, guys, I got this. Oh yeah, she just this. she just shows up and she's got the presentation and she's like had it professionally bound at Kinko's. She's got the slideshow all set up with music. She's got the like note cards for the rehearsed speech, and you're just like, yeah. wow. And all of her teammates are just like, we know our part. Yeah, you 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 wrote the script. We're we're just in it. You email us. You tell us what to do. We'll send you our stuff, and you just and then we end up getting A's. Yep, exactly. You you end up setting the curve. Although the Spirit are third in the league right now, but they're 24 points, Red Stars are 27 points. I mean, anything can happen between now and, and now. And who, who do the Spirit play in the next two or three matches? Well, the Spirit have us next, which is <laughs> horrifying. No, to think about. I have you next. Well, but the Spirit, <laughs> their next game is us. True. Boston. And then they play the Flash. And then they play Chicago. That Spirit Chicago game, I think, will be great. That'll be huge. Um, that'll that'll have playoff implications written all over it. Yeah, I th- I think the Spirit will pick up points against us. Oh God! <sighs> you just said that out loud. I'm a realist, and I expect them to get at least a point against the Flash. So that's four, and then Chicago plays you guys and then sky blue fc so i I mean the thorns did just win a match how many did they go uh winless before that though 
three. I'm not like teasing you. I'm... I know you're trying to get the information. I don't have it in front of me because I'm. I'm a Boston and fan. And I, have and no... I don't have my computer over here. I have no room to be teasing anybody. Well, unless I, I know. just went like full nihilist and was like, nothing matters. I don't care. <laughs> you're like bazooka everyone. <laughs> if I'm going down, everybody's coming with me. Yeah, scorched earth policy. <laughs> It's a good policy. Good policy. Solid. Yeah. Solid. You'll you'll make a lot of friends with that one. So the Breakers went down one to two against Seattle. But I said this before a lot, and I was like, that was really not the worst thing that could have ever happened in that game. I fully expected us. I I expected Seattle to score at least three in that game. I thought and they did would. Lee Lee come after you for your negative review of the team? No, no, he did not. It's because <laughs> this is probably like the least negative review I've ever posted of the Breakers in the like last seven games. And the fact like that it, it, it could have been worse. Yeah, the fact that it could have been worse is the least negative thing I've said about them <laughs> for months now. Is it's awful because I love them, but it's like I know, I know. It it's like when you have a screw up kid and you know your kid's a screw up and you just can't defend them. You're like, yeah, yeah, that was my kid who spray painted the high school with a big dick. I'm sorry, everybody. And then the Flash beat Sky Blue two to one. Sky Blue has been improving now that it's got its internationals back. But Western New York is, I think, I, it, whenever Western New York does well, I always go back to the beginning of the season when people looked at their roster and how they had to rebuild. And they were kind of like, oh, it's going to be a rough season for them. And now they're like, mm, not really as rough as you thought it was going to be, guys. Eh? Well, yeah, they're they're saying that, but they're, they also like... The roster is what the roster is right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they've they kind of always had the same players throughout the entire like league, um, throughout the entire season. And so if they were good during the middle part where some teams were really, really bad, that was their opportunity to eat up all those points. But now we're in the third part of the season where – Teams are going to start shaping up, and I wonder if Western New York can keep pace. Well, Lady Andrade seems to be doing well for them. And between her and Michelle Heyman and Sam Mewis and maybe Jamia Fields and uh, Lynn Williams when she gets better, you know, they have been and they'll continue to be a pretty credible threat throughout the rest of the season. And I think it's a credit to them that, you know, Sky Blue is still not totally coherent but they're they're pretty coherent at this point if you watch them play and they'd be attacking with like if you have um nadim and you have kerr and you have o'hare all at the same time going at a back line that's fairly coherent so yeah i think it's credit to them that they won 2-1 in that game yeah i think i think it's excellent that they're continuing to pick up points i just wonder how they're going to do these last five or six matches um, as teams are gonna start kind of picking up steam a little bit. Yeah, because... I, I hope I hope they can keep pace. Yeah, because look at where they are. They're sixth in the table. So ahead of them, FC Casey, Dash, Spirit, Red Stars, Rain. That's a mm-hmm. lot of teams, a lot of tough teams to displace. I don't see any of those teams really slipping unless they have some kind of horrifying stretch of bad luck. Which could happen. We all need them to have bad luck like that. Yeah, just you know. Maybe somebody stubs their toe and is out for one game, but it's not a bad injury. It's not permanent. It just maybe has to bench them for one critical game. 
I would be okay with a red card. Or a red card, yeah. No injuries, just a red card. No injury, just a red card. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> which team would you... Which team in the current top four of Rain, Red Star, Spirit, and Dash would you like to see knocked out then? Oh, God. I mean, nobody, nobody's going to catch. At this point, I don't think anybody's really going to catch Seattle. Seattle's going to have to have a major string of bad luck that they haven't really had since the first season for anybody to catch them. Chicago, Chicago has the best bet of beating Seattle for the league title. And as far as getting knocked out, I think Houston probably poses the biggest threat there just because Car- they're going to lose Carly Lloyd for some of the victory tour. Yeah. Because, you know, U.S. soccer likes to shoot itself in the foot and is trying to capitalize in a very strange way on the popularity of Carly Lloyd and probably Hope Solo and probably some other players who scored goals, but not necessarily the whole team. Well, are they shooting themselves in the foot? Because you're assuming that NWSL is part of U.S. soccer's body there in that metaphor. Whereas I kind of see U.S. soccer as its own entity and NWSL is its mistreated pet. Well, okay, so they're shooting their dog. What's better, shoot yourself in the foot or to injure your animal? Well, in this case, it's more, I think it's more apt that we describe it as they're mistreating their animal. Because I really don't think U.S. soccer considers NWSL really a part of itself. Which is sad. Which is extremely sad. Okay, so let's say that U.S. soccer and one of its limbs is the women's national team. And the women's national team plays basketball. And the basketball is the NWSL. And right now, the ball is very deflated. Is that better? (laughs) Without injuring a pet. I don't know. I kind of like want it to be as dark and hurtful as possible because it feels dark and hurtful. It is dark and hurtful. So yeah, U.S. soccer is kicking its pet because by scheduling these friendlies, and and it doesn't have to. Like like it could totally have planned these friendlies in a way that didn't result in them kicking their pet. How how could this have been avoided? Just by waiting until the fucking end of the season. By waiting till the end of the season. By perhaps trying to cross market. The victory tour with NWSL teams uh, doing double headers in bigger stadiums. So they could have started uh, in late September because the semifinals, by then half the teams will be knocked out anyway, so you won't be hurting the majority of, like, a good five teams if you pull their national teamers, right? And you just pull, you start your tour between the semifinals and the finals of the league, because semifinals are September 13th, and the finals are October 1st. So plan your first international if you have to start it early at the beginning of the season in that little gap there. Because also, by the time semifinals are over, actually seven teams will be out. And that's seven teams you won't be hurting by pulling out national teamers. And it's just the finals no, teams. No, but, but we want to hurt everyone. Everyone equally? Yeah. Okay. So one option that U.S. soccer has is to maybe not schedule the victory tour during the regular NWSL season. I I think another option U.S. soccer has is to fucking cross-market the matches with NWSL games. Or 
MLS games or just games in cities where there is soccer. During the regular season, I know some teams have legitimate concerns about doubleheaders where, you know, obviously you can't play in both. So the national teamers will be gone from, they'll be in the national team game. And then that weakens up the rosters for the other side of the doubleheader. So they don't want that. They want the national teamers playing in the NWSL game because those those results matter for the league. So I understand that concern. I just see that there being a huge opportunity for U.S. soccer to be able to capitalize and grow the awareness of the NWSL teams because, as, as we've already said before on the podcast, the players didn't do exactly a stand-up job in mentioning the NWSL when they were doing their their marketing tour, their publicity tour right after the the tournament got over. But MLS, or I'm sorry, NWSL teams could partner with U.S. soccer and host doubleheaders only for those matches that are in season, uh, so not the postseason matches. And maybe these are more in the communities where there are more athletic teams. This could be a Boston. This could be a Chicago. Um, this could be a DC uh, sort of event where you're using the women's national team to really put the spotlight on this event. And suddenly you're able to get fans out to see the local team. But also, you know, in my perfect world, U.S. soccer uses this victory tour not to necessarily showcase the team that is the U.S. Women's National Team, but fucking let the players who are already on those teams play on those teams and trot them out, you know, bring them out for the national team game, do do all of the pomp and circumstance, but they, they wouldn't be required to actually play because they've already played in another match. And yeah, you want to cheer for your hometown player, but you just did for their club team. You just supported them in their club game. Um, so I, I think that that would be an interesting take on all of it would have been to, to kind of go to markets that, that have a lot of opportunities to go out and watch live sports and really shift the conversation so that it's about women's soccer for once. And it's not like it would be so hard to coordinate between the teams and us soccer theoretically, because theoretically they're supposed to be working together theoretically it'd be fun if they all had like a group text message <laughs> like and you soccer. soccer and like the gms from all the teams but like there are all these little side conversations and nobody actually uses the like actual group text you know everybody just uses a smaller like subgroup text no they all they all text u.s soccer and u.s soccer is always like new phone who this exactly lost my phone this weekend Yep. Don't have anybody's numbers. The other thing that's going on with this tour is that they're picking big stadiums and they're picking them in way out of the way locales that I don't necessarily think are going to boost women's soccer in the long term. And people are like, but it's so nice for people who don't get to see the national team play, see them live. And I'm like, those people were going to watch on TV anyway, and they were probably going to go to a national team game like, if they had scheduled a friendly there in a couple of years when it's not a year when there's a lot of attention on women's soccer. Whereas right now, the benefit from scheduling a game in or around an NWSL city 
is going to be way more than it would be in, say, 2017. So, yeah. no offense, Chattanooga and Birmingham, but I don't see the benefit to women's soccer as a whole in America from a one-off friendly in your town. Or um, other, other than U.S. soccer is doing what U.S. soccer does and is looking at the dollars. Oh, they absolutely which, are. Which, again, makes me really excited to see their books in two years. I mean, yeah, U.S. soccer has every right to pick the biggest possible <clears throat> venue they think they can fill if they want to get the most tickets possible. Because, theoretically, they use that money to help support NWSL. So... <laughs> Don't laugh. Oh, I said theoretically. Oh. Don't laugh. You 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 didn't you didn't preface that with I'm gonna tell a joke. <laughs> so if US soccer, instead of seating twenty thousand people, makes twice that much money, you know, makes a couple extra one or two million dollars from that from, you know, ten whole games, an extra one or two million dollars per game, like on the low end, you would think they're making an extra ten, eleven million dollars. And if they even take just one of those millions and puts it into the league, that's more than double what they invested. I think in the last fiscal fiscal year, which was eight nine hundred thousand. So yeah, uh, if they if they put a fraction of the amount of money that they're going to earn off of this victory tour back into the NWSL, maybe the NWSL might serve its purpose and become a developmental league. But what does what does that mean? Like, let's let's do a little exercise. What does it mean for U.S. soccer to put more money back into the league? Does that mean a higher salary cap? Because those salaries are being paid by the teams. Does that mean that U.S. soccer is funding better officiating? Does that mean that U.S. soccer, like, I, I just, I don't know what U.S. soccer currently pays for besides a front office staff. Um, that doesn't even have marketing. Do you think it's feasible for them to increase the allocated list? Because I get the feeling there's some contractual stuff with the allocated list. If they start including a couple more, like one more allocated player per team, that's another nine people that they're having to fund. And there might be contractual things where it's like, oh, I'm classified as an allocated player. They, they might say, oh, I'm allocated. That puts me in a certain classification that entitles me to certain contractual obligations from U.S. soccer. Probably. Um, I mean, that same argument can be made for why the player pool isn't very deep. The rabbit hole that takes me down is why is the U.S. men's national team's player pool like 40 to 45 players, whereas the women's national team player pool is like between 25 and 30 players? And how does the CBA on the women's national team side actually work? Because if you're a player pool or if you're a pool player, if you're in the player pool, you are being compensated by U.S. soccer. Like, you are a U.S. soccer player. And so I think that's that contra contract and that cap and that minimum that U.S. soccer is paying pool players is so big that they aren't allowing coaches to bring in new talent. You know what maybe might work? is every team gets the same amount of money or maybe they get amount of money based on like median income in their in their city where they're located and it goes to like a designated player every team is allowed to hire to sign one american non-pool player and name them like their designated player 
And they have like $50,000 to do that or something like that. Yeah. And so it would enable them to, that would give them a little bit of relief, right? And pay at least one high caliber, but non allocated player what they're worth. Well, and I, I, I think number one, that we should call it mango money, not a designated player or allocated player. <laughs> I think it should be called mango money. I, I think Mango money should be provided uh, to teams that, A, don't have all of the allocated players that they should. So, for example, each team should have six allocated players, three Americans, three Canadians, right? If your oh, team, it's... like the Boston Breakers, uh -huh. don't have all six, then you receive a certain amount of Mango money that goes towards being able to supplement your salary cap. So your proposal for the allocated players, actually, that's in the NWSL rules. It says allocated players if you don't have your full complement. So I assume that means three U.S. and two Canadian. It says salary relief may be provided at the discretion of the league. And then it says if you have more than the full complement, the team will provide back to the league a set salary amount and they distribute that to teams that don't have their full complement. If you don't have enough, you may get relief, and if you have too many, you will pay back into the league. The wording to what? me has some implications there. But then I emailed Patrick Donnelly, who's the league's communications guy, and he's like, essentially no no comment. Because I asked, like, well, does that roster relief thing mean essentially you get to go over the salary cap, which is 265000 this year? And he said... I can't give you more details on that. They don't make those figures public. Wow. Well, I mean, that's that's to be expected. I I thought it was a little bit of a rabbit hole. Um, but what's what's interesting is I would love to know when. Like, is that the 2015 rules or is that 2014? It says 2015 roster rules on the website. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. I, you know, they got rid of the whole allocated for an allocated thing and i was wondering if that was maybe out of date or copy and paste or whatever yeah so it sounds like that that's what happens which makes it which you would think oh that's like base level of competence in the rules if they're going to get rid of allocated for allocated it still strikes me as odd the way that some teams choose to manage their their players and how they're they're kind of dealing with the mango money um, because it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of parity. And, so supposing you get an allocated player, they're getting paid like, what, 60, 70,000 minimum by U.S. soccer probably? Does the team then have to take $60,000 and pay into the league, or do they take, like, the minimum for a player slot, 6,000 plus, and that goes back into the league? Mm hmm Or is it somewhere in between... Like, based on who the hell knows. Well, so, remember how Merritt Paulson did profit sharing last year? Yeah. I wonder... You know what I mean? Elucidate your point for the I, audience. I, I wonder if Merritt Paulson's profit sharing was really that paying it back to the league. Last season... But last, but last year we only had one Canadian. We only had KK. Uh, and... Sink. Sink. Sinky. Sink. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We had Sink, not KK. Yeah. We got we dropped KK last year. Yeah. So we had Sink last year, and 
we only had the three Americans. So, you know, maybe maybe Merritt Paulson, that was a, a goodwill gesture. I just find it fishy, and I would love to know what that dollar amount is that's associated with national team players because it doesn't seem like other teams are really making up for it really well um, because you would hope that uh, the, the roster relief would be similar to what a national team player gets paid. Ergo, another team would have additional resources to go out and sign a bigger named player. Yeah, and the other thing is, you gotta assume Canadian allocations get paid less by their federation because that's just an economic fact. Or uh, Mexican players, when they were there was enough for them to be allocated around to every team, they were all getting paid less than the United States players. So. If you're pushed over the limit, but it's because you added a Canadian or a Mexican player instead of an American player, do you have to pay less in? I really think it goes by not like nationality or allocation. It goes by slot. How many slots were taken up that you don't have to pay for? You said slot. And there's like a base <laughs> amount per slot. You have to pay. You have to pay to fill the slot. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone else is paying to fill the slot, and you're like paying a tax on the slot. If the if your slot remains vacant, you get relief, and if all of your slots are full, if then, so, then you else, have to pay. Someone else is paying to put something expensive in that slot. It's essentially like a luxury tax on your right. slot. Ah, uh, luxury tax on your slot. <laughs> I guess that's the name of the episode. Mango mango money is going towards your filling your slot. <laughs> mangoes mangoes are going in the slot, essentially. <laughs> so it would just be nice if we knew any of this, but you know you're right. It's it's not certainly not typical for a lot of this stuff to get published. It's something where I can see like ten years down the road asking for salaries to get published but then you're gonna have to put an asterisk on that and be like well you know that's the salary on the books or that's the salary that was reported when the player was hired initially or something like that like all teams no nobody wants to to show what what the books actually are i just i i find it very interesting also as a portland fan and seeing how stacked the team is I'm just like, they're not playing for peanuts. I mean, it goes back to, like, my simple, stupid math. If we have six allocated players playing for the Thorns, then we only have 14 mouths to feed. Yeah, I mean, I asked the league, you know, compare a 14-player roster to a 19-player roster. How exactly is the roster relief interacting with those numbers to help create at least financial parity? No answers. No answers. Just more We're questions. used to that, though. No answers, more questions. That's that's nope. the state of being nope. a sports fan. Nobody ever wants to give us answers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's always a question. I think I think uh, investigative journalists should get on it and try to like find receipts or something like that. Try to find the paperwork that was thrown out in the recycling. Just take the shredded paper and kind of lay it out and try to tape it all together. You know people in the Woso community would love to do that. Oh, of course, like, the obsessive crackpots in this fandom, I'm talking about yeah. me. 
who would go digging through U.S. Soccer Federation dumpsters to get the shredded bags. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I would do that in a heartbeat if I, I, knew. I would. I would take two weeks off of work and scan in each one of the little bits. Yeah. A, it's I'm a huge soccer wonk, and B, I love puzzles. So this is See, like my dream come true. I'm more into data, and if I have to do a puzzle to get to the data, I'll do the fucking puzzle. But I don't like puzzles. Love puzzles. you hear me? I I hate puzzles. I hate it. Aww, but you're hate a puzzle. Em. You're a puzzle. I am not a puzzle. I am very upfront and straightforward and well, maybe you're direct. A, maybe you're a puzzle for kids that has like four pieces that teaches them spatial relations or whatever. Yeah, spatial relations is perfect. <laughs> this is my space. That is your space. Yeah. Anyway. How many Mingo Bucks do you get? You're also in a situation where suddenly we've put value on allocated players. And teams can say, well, I could have a Shannon Box. Or I could trade her and get some Mango money and be able to sign this player that U.S. soccer isn't paying attention to. Well, (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about women's sports. Yeah. So you're after the World Cup. Remember how Nike announced we're doing the three-star jersey and we're going to do it in men's cut too because we acknowledge that men can be fans of a women's team. And then it came out later like, wait, actually, no, we're not. And they canceled everybody's pre-orders. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. And... There was an article last year in Bloomberg where the explanation given then for no men's cut jerseys of of the women's team with the stars above the crest was that we don't want to confuse anybody. We don't anyone want anyone thinking the men have won World Cups. And I'm like, who in their right mind who follows American soccer is going to look at that and think, oh, the American men have won two, now three World Cups? That's amazing. You fall into two categories as people. You either follow soccer or you don't. If you follow soccer, you know the U.S. men have not won any World Cups. Ergo, those are not their stars. Yeah. But if you but if you don't, then, then you... hey, guess what? What are those stars for? Yeah, it's a it's a bullshit. Ex- now, the only thing that I can understand would be like if they got, you know, a hundred pre-orders for the men's cut. And they're like, it's, we can't. The cost is not matching the profit to us. But then just come out and say that. I would respect that answer more than, we don't want people to be confused because that answer is bullshit. So there were millions of people that watched the World Cup final. Let's say that a half of a percent of them bought a jersey, pre-ordered a jersey. Let's say that there were a thousand jerseys that were pre-ordered. I want to know what's the minimum run Nike would do. Yeah, what? because they fucking customize every single one that gets you know the name and number on the back. I yeah, I wonder how much it really costs to just make like a thousand men's cut three star jerseys as blanks because they have to generally customize a jersey anyway. Right. So what is the like, cost to them of embroidering that those three stars on a men's cut jersey which they already have? But so so the thing that blows my mind, right? So they've got women's jerseys that at some factory that Nike operates somewhere, there is an embroidery machine that is embroidering stars on these women cut jerseys. Uh-huh. The machine doesn't say no boys allowed. 
like the machine could embroider on any material. So are the jerseys coming from two different factories? And it just logistically doesn't make sense to put boys and girls together. <laughs> I mean, I would prefer to put girls and girls together instead, but... You live in a special little world. <laughs> you live in a special little world. There are two suspects in this in this scenario. There's U.S. Soccer and there's Nike. Yeah. So why would U.S. Soccer cancel these orders? I mean, you assume that every jersey is money in their pocket, and the cost is... On Nike. On Nike, where... I wonder if U.S. Soccer has to order a minimum number from Nike, or what the deal is. Like, when you buy a soccer from... When you buy a jersey from ussoccer.com, do they then just pass that order on to Nike, or do they have to fulfill it from their own stores? Because they order a certain number, and they do their customization as well. So when you buy a jersey from U.S. Soccer, they they base their demand on those pre-orders and stuff, and they weren't getting enough pre-orders of men's jerseys in order to be like, buying these jerseys from Nike is not going to be enough for us to, to justify the cost. And then Nike was like, oh, you don't have any order for us? Well, we won't make them at all. I, I would love to learn more about supply chain management. I mean, that is... Not even sarcastically, like, I would also love to learn about supply chain management, just in general. I, I'm, I, I am completely baffled as to who, as to who pulled the plug, who killed the jersey? In the factory, with a lead pipe. Right? I, yeah. I think somebody just pulled that piece of thread, you know, that one loose piece of thread, and I'm just imagining, like, somebody's just sitting on the floor going, like, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> And, like, all of the stars have been, like, unraveled from all of the men's kits because it was all just one big piece of thread. We we have a lot of questions and not very many answers. Yeah, there just needs to be more... I wish there were more transparency in all of it. And we're not going to get it because they want to do business the way they do business and they don't want to explain it. They just want to do it. And I get that, and, but and you're making my life hard. Well, I feel like we're we're experiencing the issues all fans of professional sports experience. I want to know how everything works. But man, some of this stuff is fucking frustrating. So, it's been another couple of frustrating weeks in women's soccer. That's par for the course. That's what it is to be a women's soccer fan. You enjoy what we the games and the players and then you have to thumbs down and boo the institutions. And the people in charge who just aren't cutting the mustard. Womp womp. But but we have an exciting match coming up this week. Do we? We do. On Wednesday. Who's playing in that game? Wednesday, Wednesday. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I'm going to get my slate wiped clean. That's all I know. Um, what are you, so are you predicting for this Portland-Boston game? And I'm not making any bet on it. Oh, I wanted to make a bet. Nope, no dice. Why? Because I'm not that much of a gambling person. But if they, but I was gonna, this was what I was gonna put on the table. If Portland wins, my slate is wiped clean. Okay. And if Boston wins, I was gonna let you decide what my, what my fate was gonna be. 
Hmm. So it was almost like a win-win for you. Yeah. You know what? I'll take it. If, cause you, you, you do still owe me from the last time Boston won and I just never right. made you pay and you graciously agreed not to have a time limit on that. So yeah, if Portland wins, we erase all debts. And if Boston wins, I will be the master, the mistress of your fate. Wait, no, you have to tell me now <laughs> what that would be. <laughs> Um, I'm going to make you tweet individually to every Boston Breakers player, even the bench players, about how great they are. Okay. Yeah. I think Portland's going to win three to one. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'll I'll make that two to one. They'll win two to one. Not three. (laughs) That's sad that you still can't win the bet, though, because you're betting for Boston to win. No, I'm betting I want Boston to win, but I don't think they will. There's a difference. No, but but our bet with like something on the line is you're going for Boston to win. If Boston wins, I will tweet all of their players how great they are. Yeah. I just don't think they're gonna win. Which is fine. You can say two to one Portland. That's that's completely separate though. Yeah. I just wanna make it clear that Port the the score is actually two to one. You have not won the bet. No. I understand what betting on winning and losing means, Gab. <laughs> I just, I just wanted clarity on that. I understand. I felt like, like I felt like you were gonna, you were gonna flip it on me and, and make me. I'm flipping you something double, right double now. Lose. I'm sorry. What? So that was the show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to not make it so long in between episodes next time, but you know, real life. In the meantime, Real life gets in the way. Got to earn, earn paycheck. Yeah. In the meantime, as always, send us questions on our Twitter account at Two Drunk Fans, uh, and we'll do our best to discuss them on the show. Or maybe we'll just banter on Twitter. We probably will banter on Twitter. Um, we also have scarves for sale. I've yeah. got a shit ton of scarves sitting in my living room. Oh yeah, head to the store at TwoDrunkFans.com. That's the number two, and you can get a scarf, and it's awesome because I designed it. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs>